Hello and welcome to the Circular Economy podcast, where we find out how circular approaches make a better business and a better world. I'm Catherine Wheatman of Rethink Global, and I'll be chatting to those people making the circular economy happen, rethinking how we design, make and use everything. We'll talk to entrepreneurs and business owners, social enterprises and leading thinkers. We'll find out how circular principles can create value, increase resilience and reduce risk to make a competitive, sustainable organisation. You'll find the show notes and links at www.circulareconomypodcast.com where you can subscribe to updates and useful resources. Welcome to episode 23. I'm recording this on the 9th of March 2020, ahead of a trip to London later this week. I'll be giving a talk to the UK defence logistics teams about how the circular economy can help their zero carbon objectives. Today we're talking to Andy Bounds, the founder of Ecobricks in Uganda. With no formal waste management system in Uganda, plastic can be seen everywhere discarded on roadsides, littered throughout markets and burning on rubbish heaps. Plastic waste is creating a devastating impact on both Uganda's environment and the human population. 90% is landfilled or illegally burnt. This drove Andy and his team to try and find a solution to Uganda's plastic problem. After lots of research, they developed an innovative plastic sand composite paver which has proven to be stronger, lighter and more durable than concrete. Fast forward to 2019 and EcoBricks is one of the largest recycling facilities outside of Kampala. Let's talk to Andy. So Andy, welcome to the Circular Economy podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. And where are you calling in from today? I'm calling in from a little town called Masaka in Uganda. Okay, and um, I'm sure lots of people won't have heard of Masaka. Masaka, is that in the middle? Um, you know, near the borders? Where? It, what, describe the the place a bit for us. Yeah, so it's um it's two hours south of the capital Kampala, uh, and it's near Lake Victoria, and uh, yeah, it's the fourth. I think the fourth biggest town in Uganda. So it's uh and it's it's growing. I've seen it develop a lot in the time I've been here. So it's a growing town for sure. Okay, and perhaps you can tell us how you come to be out in Masaka and having started a business called Ecobricks. Yeah, so I came out here to work on um, something called the Uganda Marathon, which is uh, a massive uh, international marathon that takes place here in Masaka. And it's, uh, it's now moving into its sixth year this year. Um, but yeah, I came out in 2015 to help found that and start that program. And then, yeah, about was it two, two and a bit years ago, uh, decided to found Ecobricks. So I had, uh, it was actually came from an argument with two of my mates is how it started. Right. So yeah, two mates that also work in, in different parts of Africa and we were together and uh, debating over a few drinks what will be the next big issue in the world. And I was debating for the environment saying that's what we need to focus on. At one point, they pulled up the website for the marathon I was working on, which has a foundation attached. 
and they showed that on there there wasn't any environmental based projects. Uh, so they were like, clearly, isn't something you feel that passionate about? And I was like, darn, they had to, they had me by the balls. Um, so I decided that I would go back and look at what options there were in Masaka for environmental projects. And there really wasn't any. And plastic, uh, which we focus on recycling at EcoBricks, is a real like, visual problem. Like it's, uh, it's being burnt at the roadside everywhere in people's compounds. And there is no there was no systems for it. So... Um, I was able to think, you know what, let's, uh, let's get this going. So we started, we started EcoBricks in 2017 now. Right, so that's, but that's quite a leap from noticing a plastic problem to starting EcoBricks. So what kind of thought process did you go through in terms of what should I do with all this plastic? And, you know, what, what, how did you come up with the idea for, for the EcoBricks? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, it took about a year in planning before we actually started to really collect um, and sort the plastic. But what we were doing in that year was thinking about what, what solutions there are available. Uh, and there are companies in Kampala, which yeah, is two, two and a bit hours away, um, that do process the plastic into a flake. So we approached them uh, and said, could we sell into those, those bodies? Uh, which is which is what we started to do. So we started collecting in my compound. So me and one colleague, Johnson, uh, started collecting in my compound. And what we did was we started paying people for every kg they bought. So we started with just the guy who was taking our rubbish and actually taking it to the landfill before we started a solution and said, actually, mate, why don't you bring us the plastic um, and then we'll buy it per kg. And within one month, we had a couple of tons sitting in my garden and was like, okay, this, uh, there is a viable way of collecting plastic um, and making it economically beneficial for the community. So I think we should, uh, we should look at expanding this. And yeah, we started selling into Kampala. Um, so we would bail, we bail the plastic and sell it into Kampala, uh, which, but that relies fully on an international market. Um, so that is why we devised our closed loop system of EcoBricks, so we could still continue to recycle plastic and yeah, keep, keep that new plastic, plastic economy flowing. So tell, tell us a little bit about the bricks themselves. I'm curious to know, you know, what, what they're used for. Is it building houses? I've seen some pictures of paving stones. Describe the bricks for us a bit. Yeah, so at the moment we have one certified project, which is a plastic sand composite paver. So we mix different percentages of plastic uh, with sand and importantly, no cement uh, to create our pavers. Um, and they have been tested here in, in Uganda at the same that does the Ugandan National Roads Authority and come back as a stronger, lighter and have a higher ultimate compressive strength than their concrete competition. So. We're also, um, so we're moving into mass production, hopefully later this year. So we've been, we've completed the R&D of this project and we now want to move into the mass production because we've, we've been doing the market research and we also think we'll be able to undercut concrete, which we, we believe is very important because uh, what we don't want is this lovely environmental product that recycles loads of plastic, but is such a higher price margin that the economy here will not be interested in it and to be honest around the world people think with their pockets so we're excited by being able to undercut concrete 
with a better product. Uh, and we're just looking now, we're getting close to getting the funds together to put a full factory line together to really, really be able to produce on mass uh, and get, get the market. Yeah, I think you're right. That is important because although people say in surveys, you know, people around the world say in surveys that they are prioritising buying more sustainable objects, products, whatever, often, you know, it either comes down to family decisions on budgets that, you know, you might not be able to justify the extra cost of what you want to do. And so you go back to the, um, you know, the take, make, waste, cheaper model. So being able to compete on, on cost is kind of a win-win from a, you know, pe people tend to love it then because, you know, not only are you saving money, um, but you know that you're doing the right thing as well. And in, in, terms, of, in terms of plastic, Andy, I'm curious to know, um, what kinds of plastic can go into these eco bricks? Is it is it everything, or is it certain types that you're prioritising? Yeah, so you can put in a blend of all different types of plastic into it, which is uh, we're really excited about being able to do that complete plastic solution. Um, but there will be different grades of pavers um, once the machine lines come that use specific types of plastic. Right. Some plastic lends itself better to the, the paver than others. So um, for instance, the what we call over here, the plastic cavera, the plastic bags, mm. and the LDB uh, lends itself very well into the plastic pavers, whereas uh, PET bottles, uh, mm. we have to use at a smaller percentage. Right. Um, but we are looking at other products that require less of a, a high compressive strength, uh, that we can use more PET bottles in because they are the easiest one to collect as the, from a collector's point in the community. Mm. Bottles are very easy and tangible things to pick up, whereas bags and plastic packaging, we're more having to work with the suppliers, although we do have a system in place to collect them here. Mm. The vast majority we get is the, the PET bottles. Mm. And how does how does the collection work? Is it is it... Um people having to bring them to you or do you have stations round and about that you can consolidate at? Exactly, we have a, what we call our community collection centres um, and we have, we're building up to 20 of those across Masaka district uh, and we have a nice, nice truck that was uh, funded by our biggest partners, the Queen's Commonwealth Trust, um, that enables us to go out and actually collect from these sites and bring it to us. So uh, it makes it a lot more profitable for the, the collectors in the community. Uh, you could argue are our beneficiaries, but we would probably prefer to just call them our employees. Um, and there's, there's up to 3,000 uh, that can deliver into us a month, uh, these different individuals. So they all deliver into one of our hubs, and then those 20 hubs deliver into us. Uh, but we also have many individuals that have set up on their own, their own little enterprises, uh, without, our, without our hub, and they're bringing into us as well. Um, and each of the hubs, on average, will bring a ton of month. Um, but some will bring in a lot more, some will bring in slightly less, but no real less than 800 kg. Wow. So you so you scaled up pretty quickly then, really, haven't you? Yeah, well, we thought the way to scale up uh, was adding that monetary value to the plastic. So by having a motivation right from the beginning, and then hopefully when we get the mass production of our favours right at the end, by having that price point, 
that works for everybody. Mm. So if we can set a price per kg of plastic that people are motivated to collect it, so um, it makes it it makes it a big win. So we've been running also sensitization, which is a big buzzword in Uganda, uh, sensitization sessions um, as well in schools and in, with the local community about how plastic bottles are now worth something. So don't just throw them away. Um, so, and that has also had a huge impact on the amount we are able to collect. So, but yeah, the biggest motivator in the world, uh, sadly, I think is money. Um, and I think that is, that is across the board. And I think that is uh, one of the major things. But then with money also has to come the ability for it to be convenient. So that is why the 20 hubs are very useful. Uh, but us to have central points because yeah even if we paid but people have to drive 30 minutes to drop their plastic and it would be very hard for people to, to do that so we set them up in trading centers and markets so it's easy for people to do it in their daily routine to drop their plastic yeah kind of make it make it the kind of thing that people can just include in their normal daily routine and um yeah, yeah. that's the goal and earn a little bit extra so when you combine the two, convenience and money, I think that's been what's enabled us to expand quite quickly. Mm, yeah. And what about the challenges? Um, I mean, where have you struggled to um, get things moving? Yeah. Uh, so I think some of the challenges are that, well, we buy per kg. So in, in the environment we're in, and I, people, and, and to be fair, all over, uh, people tend to fill a bottle of water and hide it in their bottles and so forth and <laughs> okay. add a brick or add this, add some soil. Uh, so we've had to build in very good control systems uh, throughout the system to ensure that uh, we're getting the, the quality or the plastic we actually need. Um, the other challenge has been that the margins are very small uh, in, the, in the process. So... We have, yeah, we've been very fortunate to have a bit of funding coming here and there to enable us to expand. And we hope that once we get the full machine line in, that we'll be able to grow a bit more organically. But currently, it's just been a point of ticking over every month and not having the capital to really expand in its own right. Mm. Um, but that's, that's fine. Our impact is massive. So we're very happy to be able to have a sustainable impact. But for that impact to grow is where we do need extra capital in um, as well. Yeah, so I think I think as, as most startups, to be honest, it is uh, yeah, capital is always one of the biggest challenges. Yeah, definitely. And and in terms of wanting to move forward and have control of the production process, yeah. are you going to need a load of capital for that, or you know how how are you going to make that happen? Yeah, exactly. So to order the machine line, which we've um, we've had designed here in in Uganda, mm -hmm. uh, which is something we're very pleased to have. So. All our, all our things that we, we have go through is we're trying to build the local economy. So everything has been made here, designed here and produced and so forth. Um, so the whole factory build, uh, we're looking at, and it's quite a chunk for us, is 150,000 uh, pounds to get it all really, $150,000, sorry, to get it all really established. Um, and that will give us enough money to also carry through to the point where we'll be able to be sustainable and sold into the market products to keep us ticking over. Mm. And are you doing okay with backing for that or are you? 
we, we have some interest um, and we have different partners coming on board to, to hear more about it. Um, but we haven't got the secured that funding yet. Uh, we have our small machine lines that we've used for the, the R&D process. But yeah, they couldn't ever hit, a, hit an order really um, in a reasonable time scale. So that's why we need to scale up. So yeah, we're looking to, uh, we're looking to do that as soon as possible really. Mm. So if anybody's listening and wants to invest, are we going to give those links at the end so that people um, can find out more and get, it, get in touch? Yeah, that'd be lovely. And it's, it's yeah, I, I've, I had a long look around as, um, of what to do, and I don't think there's much more you can do that can have such a big impact and still be sustainable. Mm. We've, in just our two and a bit years since we opened in my garden, in uh, 2017, in September, uh, we've put over $90,000 into the community to buy in plastic and everything going on. So, and that has been a sustainable entity. It's just that extra capital to make us grow. And yeah, that's amazing. More. Yeah. So working is a very, a very viable model. Yeah, that's an amazing amount that you've that you've put back already, and presumably yeah, you're getting um you know good good levels of support from the local community and you know word spreading and people are realizing that there's uh, value in in waste yeah so it wouldn't have it can't happen without the community buy-in um and that's what that's yeah we fully rely on that and people have been amazing from uh, we've been donated land by the the local diocese here um, and one of the fathers is there on our board um but also the, the mayor in Masaka and the, the local council have been fantastic in helping us spread the word through their radio talk shows and different uh, elements and also providing us, in some cases, free uh, little land sections in markets and different things for us to be able to put up our community sites. And yeah, the community themselves bring in now in excess of 20 tonnes a month. So it's, be, it's been incredible, yeah. It's been... Uh, yeah, and a lot of people earn not just a little bit extra, but earn a livable wage from doing this as well. Um, so that's also important. Is we have a core team that obviously earn a wage through our processes, but we also, the, the wider collection network, there are a lot of people that can earn uh, a very good living wage and have made plastic collection pretty much a full-time job, um, which, is, which is amazing. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. So... On top of the plans for the for the machine line, what other plans do you have for the for the next phase of EcoBricks? Yeah, so we've got our proven product and our proven collection model. Uh, with the machine line, we can prove the the market uh, as well. And then the idea would be we'd expand to all major districts outside of the capital Kampala. Um, and that is yeah. So we would like to have five factories up in five years, which would enable us to be, be recycling huge tons and more, well, just as importantly, putting, putting huge amounts of money into the local economy and allowing people to earn, um, which is, I think, the best way to, to boost development. Like uh, charity, charity has its part, but I think industry and building economies is, is the way to do it. Yeah, allowing definitely. people to earn their own money. So. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. So five factories in five years, 
a, a fairly um, uh, serious level of, of ambition there. Yeah, so well, the reason we can, the reason we can achieve that is uh, we've already started linking with informal collectors in other districts. Um, so we're we're partnering with those to form a, a massive partnership to enable us to have a bigger voice as as a plastic collection network. So we've started doing that in various places. So that means when we go there with a factory, we already have a collection network that we're linked with. So. It is, it'll be helping boost that collection network a little bit, but mainly just providing them with a much more secure and valuable market for them where they can sell into. So that's, that's uh, why it's gonna, we hope it can be so quick. If the capital's there, I think we can very easily do it. So yeah, we've started uh, with a collection network in Entebbe, which is the airport uh, like town district of uh, Uganda. And we've linked with people there and they're, they're very happy to form under the EcoBricks brand. And we help them with some information and some branding in their area, but they run their own separate entities. So when we go there to build a factory, it's just a matter of picking up the phone, having a big meeting, setting a new price together for plastic and then starting production. Um, so yeah, it's, it should, if the, you know, everything obviously ebbs and flows, but the plan is pretty solid. So yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like you've got a, a good scalable model for a kind of ecosystem of, of collection. And, um, you know, if you if you make the machine line um, fairly reasonable scale, then you can uh, set those up locally as well, which provides more jobs and more kind of visibility of, of what's happening and what value is coming back from the recycled plastic so that, you know, people people can kind of see it and believe it, can't they? Rather than, um, you know, well, we think it goes into this, but we never actually see the see the product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've been very fortunate in my work with the Uganda Marathon to also have a lot of connections in the press because um, we put on a mass event with 5,000 plus people a year. So I've got those, those connections into the press to also just invite them along uh, to the opening of a factory and do a big press release and all these different things. So I think it will be... It'll be quite well known nationally when we uh, when we really get started on production. Yeah, so you might even have a kind of uh, a demand pull before you get to a new a new city. Yeah, well, we yeah that's that's we've already had. Uh, so the mayor Masaka here has spoken about it at other conferences he attends and so forth, uh, as well as the, the the priest that has been talking at other parishes around the country. And they've already been, already been having calls of people saying, when are you bringing it to our district? Can you bring it to us? How can we start setting it up before you arrive? And all these sorts of things. So people are very excited by it, which is, yeah. So again, that, it has to have uh, the people of Uganda buying in, otherwise it's, it's not worth anything to be honest. So we've been very fortunate to have that. So reflecting back on those um, few short years of, of starting with uh, an argument in, in, the, um, in the bar with your friends to where you are now, what would your top tip be for people aspiring to set up a circular business or take their um, business or social enterprise into a more circular um, direction and strategy? Yeah, I think um, uh, partnerships is the, is the best thing. So... Uh, us partnering and having strong connections with the with the community here has, has made it really possible. So being donated land is, is hugely useful. Uh, that would have been a massive capital cost that we couldn't have afforded. 
Um, we've also been donated some uh, simple machines as well uh, from all within Uganda that has really, again, enabled us to keep turning over. Uh, but I think what I found also is there's a lot of organizations here that, uh, and loads of NGOs in particular in Uganda that will have their, their beneficiaries, but maybe not engage so much with the wider community. And, and people won't know who they are. They have a big office on top of the hill uh, or whatever, and people don't know who they are at all. So in, in our setting in Uganda, I think it's very good that we're very visible in town. Uh, people call me plastic man as I'm walking down the street and they, they all know who we are and who's behind it and what it's all about. And I think that's been a, a big win um, for, for us as a whole and enabled us to gain that support both in Masaka and nationally, really, as well. Um, so, yeah, the top tip would be link, link with the community you're in um, and find the networks that you have there that you can use before, before stretching out to other networks. Um, so even our biggest funders are all people that I've met in Uganda uh, rather than people I try to meet in the UK. It's all been within the community here because uh, they will be visiting one of their projects somewhere and then they will have heard about us and then they will call for a meeting. So it's all because we have such a good relationship with, with the people in the South. Yeah. Uh, another top tip that I would throw out there is um, to get a business partner that is on board with your ethos. So I was taking on uh, EcoBricks alone for the first year and a half and I've been joined uh, last year by Georgina Elliott slash G, um, who has come on board and yeah, came on with the same ethos and the same goals of community first um, approach and yeah, recycling as our as our key goal. So it's been it's been amazing to have a business partner that's really on board with our ethos, uh, which which I think is hugely key, and not just someone who's coming with capital. So they're actually brought into the idea is more important than any capital that comes with it. So it's, uh, that would be another top tip. Brilliant. Thank you. And have you come across other circular economy businesses? You know, if you're trying to explain the circular economy to somebody, do you have a favourite example that you like to use? Um, well, that's a good question. I would, I would also say, and I've, the marathon is a, is a fantastic example of a sustainable entity um, with, a, with a really good charitable purpose. So... The, in the way it works there is it does it through a tourist element. So as people fly out for the marathon and they pay for a week-long adventure um, that enables the marathon to cover all its costs throughout the year uh, in renting an office and having a full-time team here in Masaka. Uh, and it's been growing with local sponsorship as well, um, which has been amazing to see. So again, they've also embedded in the local community and have their own sustainable income that enables them to use to support the community with any extra that comes in. So they're not reliant on donations at all, um, which I think is, is one definition of a sector economy I think as well, is where sustainable sector economy, when you're not relying on any external donations, you can run yourself with the positive yeah, positive social enterprise to it. Yeah, and making sure that you're circulating the value around the whole community. Yeah. 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 
so yeah, the, uh, all the hotels are rented out across Masaka. Uh, yeah, there's there's silly amounts of money put into Masaka for this one week of the year, and then the vast majority of the people go on their uh, tours around to see the gorillas and so forth as well. So, uh, I learned a lot from being part of the startup team of the Uganda Marathon that has enabled me to understand a lot more about how circular economies work in, in Uganda. So I would say, yeah, they're, they're, they've been they've been hugely uh, influential in how EcoBricks born. Yeah, as we've reached a milestone here in Masaka of being able to recycle uh, up to 20 tonnes a month, and we're actually breaking 250 tonnes of plastic we've recycled since our start very soon. It's a great opportunity to start expanding to other districts. If people are inspired to fund the next stage of EcoBricks or want to find out more about what you're doing, how can they get in touch with you? Yes, yeah, so the best way to learn more is check out our website. Yeah, so it's www.ecobricks.org. Um, EcoBricks is, yeah, you'll see it in the comments, but it is spelled B-R-I-X-S. Um, but yeah, there's a page on there as well, but um, also a load of information about how we're creating the circular closed loop economy for plastic uh, as well, all the information, including something which I haven't mentioned, which is how we work with the disabled community as well. Uh, so one of our other partners is the Disability Union uh, in Masaka, and that's made up of local, local chairmen who are disabled and then they help uh, create a network for the disabled people across Masaka. <laughs> so we've been focusing on employing them and we're trying to stick to 50% of our team being disabled um, as we move forward. So it's uh, which has been really good. So we've had people with us right from the start uh, who, yeah, from that disability community here in, here in Masaka. So they, yeah, they get a really good presence in the community and earn some good cash. So it's, it's a win for them. And they're ridiculously hard workers as well. So we, it's fantastic. Great stuff. So Andy, thank you for talking us through the journey so far with EcoBricks and really look forward to hearing about your progress and seeing you hit the five factories well with well within five years and continuing to provide solve several problems at the same time getting rid of waste providing good jobs um, and getting a better alternative to concrete paving slabs and bricks back into the community as well thank you very much absolute pleasure thank you for having me what i loved about andy's work with ecobricks is the way it's working with the community. They've developed a system that works with the informal collections that were already happening, but forming a much bigger scale partnership so they have more influence. This provides jobs for disadvantaged and disabled people, and as the work is fully flexible, people can fit it around family commitments, studying or other jobs. By finding a way to make a useful product, EcoBricks has created a market for all that discarded plastic at the same time highlighting the benefit of collecting and transforming waste into something that has value. In just a couple of years, EcoBricks has made a significant impact, with over a thousand individuals receiving extra income from the plastic waste chain created by EcoBricks. There are 20 full-time staff on the books, up to 15 tonnes of plastic collected each month, and over $40,000 has been injected into the local community. Thank you.
If you'd like to learn more about the circular economy, why not go back and listen to episode one? Head over to rethinkglobal.info or buy my book, A Circular Economy Handbook for Business and Supply Chains, which takes you through the practicalities, including lots of real examples from around the world. You can get in touch via the website, rethinkglobal.info, or send us a tweet at rethink underscore global. Please let us know what you think of the podcast, and you can help other people find it by reviewing us on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. See you next time. Bye.